Welcome to TalkEerie.com's Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast. Every day, we tackle the biggest issues that the Erie PA region faces. Stay informed and involved as we advance the narrative of Erie. Now, here's Joel Natale. And I'm really, really excited to have with us uh, on the Zoom call, Elizabeth uh, Cuevas, Eliz Cuevas, and also Amanda McHall. Mahako, I'm so sorry, Amanda, and Chelsea Tordella. They're all from Highmark Health, and we're going to chase down uh, this topic that we've talked about uh, many times, which is this social determinants of health, which is a fancy phrase for how do you get healthy uh, if you don't have all of your basic needs met. And so we're going to start with Amanda here. Amanda, I want to ask you about, um, you know, your definition of social determinants of health. And thanks for coming on, by the way. Absolutely. Thank you so much for, for having me and for having all of us today. We're really excited to be here. Um, you know, our definition that we use for social determinants of health is the same definition that the CDC, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, as well as the World Health Organization uses for SDOH, which is the acronym for social determinants of health. And those are the conditions in the places where people live, learn, work, play, worship, where we are, right, our communities that affect a wide range of health risks and health outcomes. And we really think about those social determinants of health as impacting about 80% of someone's health outcomes, even before they reach the health system to intervene. So it is all of those social factors that make up, you know, where we are in communities and paying attention to those social factors so we can really see long-term improvements in our patients' health. So, Liz, was it because of this attention to social determinants of health that Highmark kind of opened up this online social care network, the Highmark Community Support Platform and the AHN Community Support? Yes. Hi, how are you? Thank you so much for having me as well. Um, Yes, we've recognized and noticed, right? Actually, before the pandemic started, we started to um, make moves towards addressing social determinants of health within a healthcare system. Um, and when we, uh, when the pandemic hit, all it emphasized and make us realize how much social determinants play a role. So it coincided pretty nicely. It did accelerate the um, onboarding of the platform, of our community support platform, so that everybody had access and knowledge of how to reach to community-based organizations, um, but it's definitely been uh, something we've started to develop recently, and something that's grown within our health system. So it was the, the, these uh, these networks were sub- launched in April of 2020, and um, um, and again, I think there was a felt need, right, Liz? As far as uh, people need to be able to co- be connected to. Uh, some of these resources, and the big the big thing that we're celebrating uh, here this month is that the the there have been a hundred thousand searches on these platforms. Right, it's been quite it's been quite eye opening to understand and to recognize the need that exists out there. And one thing that we haven't really done previously, prior to. I'd say the last couple of years is start asking people about 
food and if they have access to food, if they have a place where they can lay their head at night, if they have electricity and water that's running and transportation to get to their appointments, we always focus on the high blood pressure or the diabetes or the blood right. sugar. The, the, actual, the actual vital mm-hmm. signs, right? Yep, yep. And now we're starting to recognize, well, we can't get somebody's blood pressure better if they don't have access to fruits and vegetables or if they don't have the ability to store their medications in a safe place where it won't get damaged. Oh, wow. I haven't even thought of that. Amanda, talk about that. I Mm -hmm. mean, are we talking about just the integrity of the living space being sometimes problematic? Yeah, we're talking about it all, right? So when we're thinking about the social aspects of of who we are and what we bring to treatment, right? So as Liz said, it's not just the health condition, it's the health condition of the individual as well as their social, you know, condition. So what does that look like? Do they have access to a fridge if they have a medication that needs to be refrigerated? Do they have access to that? Do they have access to some place to safely store that medication um, in their house? And then how are they getting that medication, right? Do they have access to get to the pharmacy? So do they need transportation? Is there a transit need there? Is there a need for financial resources to help them get that prescription, right, before they even come? Um, So it's really looking at every step of the way. What are those challenges and barriers that someone might be, you know, confronted with as they're leaving the doctor's office to be able to continue that course of care? And that's what we're trying to make a focus as we move forward. Does it surprise you at all, though, Amanda, that people would be using this particular site to find out about such things as housing and transportation and, and, uh, and so on? Because it's from a medical insurance place, you know? Right. You know, I think, Joel, that really gets to it being such a web. It's like a social service web out there, right? It can be really confusing. So if you've ever looked or any of your listeners have looked for some type of social service need in the community, there are amazing community benefits organizations and nonprofits who do fantastic work. But sometimes navigating that system, if you're not, if you don't speak that that system's language, if you don't know that lingo to use, right, or you don't know the contact number that gets you the person someplace instead of just, you know, the website web, understanding those things can be really difficult. And the wonderful thing about the community support platform is it helps to make that navigation a lot easier. It puts the information at someone's fingertips. They search by zip code and it gives them the services that are available in the zip code. And it kind of takes out that guesswork of, oh, should I call this one? You know, if you just Google an agency, Mm -hmm. it takes out the guesswork of like, should I call this number or that number? Is it a person? Is it a website? It gives you all of that at your fingertips and makes it easy. I want to go to the, the, the number of folks that, uh, or the number of searches that were coming out of Erie County. And, and Liz, uh, this is remarkable because literally about 5% of all these searches, uh, or at least 4.5% have come out of Erie County. Uh, among zip codes in Erie County, 28% were regarding health. Okay. 
but 24% regarding housing, 17% regarding food, 13% regarding transit, and 7% regarding care. And um, does that surprise you at all that there be so many when well, you consider all the counties that Highmark uh, touches? No, it doesn't. When you were calling out those numbers, I kind of was going to guess what they were going to be. Um, and that's exactly what we're seeing <laughs> wow. across the board and really across the across the country around what people are needing. Um, and I, again, I can't say I can't stress enough how important food and housing and even transportation is to overall health. Um, and what we are, what we get frustrated with sometimes in the clinic is we see people over and over again. They come in, um, their blood pressures are not very well controlled, or their blood sugars are not well controlled, and we're not recognizing the real reasons why. Mm-hmm. Um, we can give medicine after medicine and after medicine, but if we don't help them solve their social issues or help address them, then we're never going to get them healthy. Do you feel that? Um... I mean, the whole there's a whole idea of primary care, and so does does a, a, a search engine like this kind of reach people that just refuse to kind of, you know, check in with your doc once a year for that primary care thing? I mean, how many people are under under uh, touched by the by the actual primary care um, infrastructure? Liz. I think that's a really great question. I think that's a really great question because we see a ton of people who we only see because they come into the emergency room or um, get a stay in the hospital. And we never, though they may be assigned a primary care by their health insurance or on their health insurance card, they actually never walk through those doors. Um, so having a search engine like this is really important, making sure people out in the community understand that there is something like this out there for them is really important so they can access these social services on their own without the assistance of a primary care. But also it might even help them start to understand and recognize, oh, this is a problem. Maybe I need to address this. Maybe it's affecting my blood pressure, my diabetes, or my heart failure. And maybe I need to also get a primary care doctor. But you are absolutely correct in that a lot of people are not coming to the primary care doctor. Amanda, I want to ask you about these zip codes because – I, I am seeing, yes, 16506, which is kind of a higher resourced zip, has the most searches. And, and again, we're going to see that. We're going to see that the higher education, higher um, uh, socioeconomic level are just going to do stuff like this, right? But 16502, which is the inner city's uh, code, 16503, certainly, 16508, yes, um, you know, uh, they have – high numbers of searches so a lot of searching coming from the inner city itself yeah absolutely i mean when you look at the zip codes and you drill down and you look at you know it's not just zip codes it's communities it's Mm -hmm. where people live it's where they want to access these services it really does encompass all of yuri right it touches all of those pieces. Um, and just to let you know, within those zip codes, there's close to 1,800, 1,800 plus services that are available to folks within those zip codes on the platform, which I think is also really incredible 
to think about. So I think it does highlight, Joel, to your earlier question, though, I, I think it highlights that there are needs everywhere, right? right? There are people who have these needs across the board. And sometimes, you know, it's easy to say, oh, this zip code, of course, they would have needs and maybe forget about others or vice versa. But having this number of searches and this volume of data that we can see now on the community support platform, I think it really emphasizes that there are people in our communities that are struggling mm. for those basic needs. And something like this is really needed to be able to help make that connection and be that bridge for individuals. It, it's really, again, it's really remarkable that this is, this is where it's at right now. Again, I think about the whole continuum of of healthcare, I mean, we went from uh, the 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 uh, the good the good doctor on horseback, right, going door to door, to now on our phone, we're getting information. Uh, last question before we go to the break, Amanda, do you feel that the existence of these social care networks, these online social care networks, like the Highmark Community Support Platform and the AHN Community Support? Are, 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 are able to fight the, some of the disinformation that's out there about healthcare? I would hope so. Um, you know, that, that would be our hope. The, the, the groups that are on the platform, they are vetted. It's a curated list. Um, so, you know, it's, it's their quality resources that are there. And so hopefully as people are connecting to them, they're getting the information that they need. Um, the folks at Aunt Bertha that power the community support platform, they also, you know, out of the gate as the pandemic was developing in 2020, they really wanted to make sure that they had COVID-19 resources up front and center for people. And that was really important to them that they had information that was accurate, up to date, and it was quality information. So Joel, to your point, you know, the people were getting real information and, and not things that was maybe falling into that misinformation category. The top five needs sought by users, including housing, health, food, transit, and goods. And I, 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 it, it, this kind of begs a question, Liz, and, and that is um, with information – do we feel that we're reaching some of our some of our outcomes? Like, are we are we reaching that place of being a healthier community uh, with information? Because, uh, and again, the pandemic is an awful time to do an evaluation. But talk to that a second. Um, I I hope it is, and I actually think the pandemic. Is the rest is the best time to do um, evaluation because okay. I think that what we've seen in the pandemic is people needing help, and it's definitely become front and center. We've seen lots of pictures across the country early in the pandemic of these massive car lines for food, um, where people were just really desperate, um, asking for help and assistance as people lost jobs or their workplaces were closed. Um, so this actually comes at a great time for us to understand a little bit more the resources that people need now. Um, it also allows us to do some real in-time evaluation so that those resources might change. So now we're seeing maybe because of the pandemic, food as a hot item, um, housing as a big item. Um, and perhaps that will change over time as the pandemic eases, God willing, um, and we start to see a, a shift in what people are going to need. 
So I hope that the platform is able to provide that data for us. And then we can, as a health system, we can shift into what we provide patients as well. I want to go back to, to primary care. Are, are you, Liz, are you feeling like that, um, that this resource is well integrated, let's, let's say, with the pavilions, the east side and west side pavilion here uh, in Erie, the AHN, or, or, or any of the, the many primary care physicians that are, that are employed mm-hmm. by uh, AHN St. Vincent, for example? I think it is. I think it is. And I, when they launched the um, community support platform, it was a really, it very much was a system-wide launch. And mm-hmm. it's easy because it's all web-based, internet-based. So not only can you access it from our electronic medical record system, but you can also access it, you know, pretty much anywhere you have Wi-Fi capabilities. Um, and because uh, we did this simultaneously with a program to screen patients for social determinants of health issues, similar to exactly what we're finding, housing, food, insecurity. So that, um, that protocol is part of primary care where you're kind of going through it's those? part of it, yeah. Okay, wow. Yeah, it's part of it. It's being launched simultaneously, pieces of it for sure, definitely in our emergency rooms and hospital systems and then out into the community in our primary care practices. But it gave our um, providers the tools so that they can screen people, but then refer them to other community-based organizations. So it wasn't just a useless screen we were doing for people, you know, just to get some information. It was in conjunction with the ability to refer people and understand the resources that existed within the community. Amanda, would you say that this is a paradigm shift? I mean, I know it's been a while in coming. I mean, it's been almost 20 years since this phrase existed, right? But is it a paradigm shift for our current practitioners to say, hey, there's more going on here? I think it is in some ways. I think there are a lot of practitioners who intuitively knew this and understood this and saw this in their practices for sure. Um, I think for others, depending on when they were trained or where they were trained, it is a new thought process. And it's a thought process not only for, as Liz mentioned, asking the questions and identifying the needs, but also as a practice figuring out how do we then help this individual who we've identified a need for, how do we get them to that service, right? And the platform is a way, is a conduit for, for these providers, for these practices, to be able to have those services, um, to know what those services are in communities, right? Because that's not necessarily their world, social service agencies, their world is medicine. Um, So it allows a platform, it allows this place to be able to make those connections and make those referrals. So it is a shift and, you know, we hope the, the greater vision, right, is that it's completely embedded into what we do as an enterprise and as an organization. And we really do believe that we will see better patient outcomes, that patients and members will have a better experience, and that that experience not only is better for the patient and the member, but it's also better for the provider, right? Because they're seeing yeah. a patient who does get better, which is their goal at the end of the day. And overall, you know, we'll see that health really continue to build. And, and that's what we want to see. We want to see a world where people can embrace health and be their healthiest true selves. 
<clears throat> excuse me, uh, it says that Highmark has committed nearly a half a billion dollars in these social determinants of health-related initiatives with community partnerships, workforce, and economic development, and access to care. And it, it makes it, it, it's interesting to me that um, what I'm not seeing, and maybe you could uh, uh, correct me on this, I'm not seeing. Hey, how do I how do I join a gym? How do I get more exercise? Uh, Amanda, is 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 that is that a search that's going to happen there? I mean, because that's that's a big part of uh, what we're dealing with, right? I've got about one minute. Go ahead. Absolutely. So, you know, being able to find places where you can exercise and feel comfortable and feel safe in your community. I mean, I think that's all part of the mission and part of the part of the role here. Certainly as a health plan, there are benefits around exercise. So there's a piece there, but also helping our providers understand what's in our community so that people can search and find ways to be able to build camaraderie, find safe places in their communities to come together, move their bodies, you know, get healthy, be able to exercise. Those are important aspects too, Joel. Absolutely. Um, We definitely want to make sure that people have that outlet. I find it interesting that you really emphasize safe places. Is 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 that more of a security thing? Is that a COVID thing? Uh, you know, uh, bring bring that in. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as I said it, I was I was seeing it more as a security thing. We want to make sure that people are feeling comfortable wherever they are. You know, we often give the example that a patient has diabetes and a provider may say, well, you should, you should increase your exercise and walk 30 minutes every night. That's not going to work for someone who doesn't feel safe in their community. So that's that paradigm shift too, right? Getting, getting our providers to think that way. We have our guests uh, of uh, Elizabeth, uh, Liz, and Amanda, and Chelsea. We're going to bring Chelsea uh, Tordella on. She is the manager of the AHN Healthy Food Center at St. Vincent. So, Chelsea, I'm thinking that this is a little bit different than than the grilled burgers I used to get at the cafeteria when I was working at, at St. V's, right? <laughs> <laughs> It's a little bit different. Yep. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we we only offer what you might call healthy foods, which is based on the My Plate guidelines. So we have cans, um, we have vegetables canned low sodium, fruits canned and natural juice, um, low fat dairy, lean proteins, and uh, whole grains as well as um, you know fresh and fro- frozen produce. So, so you're ta- they're talking about this in this release that it's a food pharmacy where patients who lack as- access to food can receive nutritious food items, education on disease-specific diets, and additional resources for other social challenges that may- they may face. Again, the thinking of building this healthy food center is coming out of the social determinants of health. Can you talk about that? <laughs> Yeah, I think that, um, you know, if you surveyed 100 people on the street and said, oh, is nutrition important for your health? Probably 100 out of 100 would say, of course it is. Um, But what does that really mean? And how do we um, help people when we find that they have a lack of access to nutritious foods? Um, So that's really where the Healthy Food Center comes in, where we both increase the access to healthy foods, as well as um, have a registered dietitian on site to help people pick out those foods based on uh, whatever medical conditions they may have, whether it's diabetes or high blood pressure. You know, how do you read a label for sodium, et cetera? And we offer the one-on-one nutrition counseling as well, which really makes us um, different than 
uh, most food pantries, so to speak, you know, where we provide the food and then we also have a nutritional education piece um, and then can make referrals to wraparound services as well, whether people need help signing up for SNAP aka food stamps, um, or if they need help with the housing or uh, medication costs or whatever else it may be that we can make those referrals. Can you talk about like the workflow here? Is this somebody who may have been an inpatient, outpatient? How do they find themselves to the food center? So we can get referrals from both inpatient and outpatient within AHN. And so what happens is um, the providers will ask questions to determine um, food insecurity. So we we um, service people who are food insecure. That means they don't have a reliable access to a sufficient quantity of affordable and nutritious food. Um, so it's based on a couple of questions called the hunger vital signs. And the pro providers ask these questions to determine food insecurity, and then they can make referrals to the healthy food center for the patients to come in. Boy, that, again, it goes back to a question I had in the first half hour, is the idea that providers are now, uh, well, for example, we, we talked to Dr. Fox. He's he's part of the, the, the network there at AHN, right? And and he was telling us how he does, he does a behavioral or mental health screening as part of his every year deal with most people. This, so it sounds like you're also doing a social determinants of health kind of screening, like a mini screening uh, on these on these uh, annual visits or, you know, uh, on basic on on encounters as they're appropriate. Does that make sense, Chelsea? Right. Absolutely. Yep. The providers should be asking these SDOH questions. And then as um, Dr. Cuevas and Amanda had mentioned, uh, then, you know, have the services to make the referrals after they determine the need. So that's what the Healthy Food Center is there. If people do screen positive for food insecurity, those referrals can be made so that we can then try to help improve people's health um, through the services of, of the Healthy Food Center for those who need it. What about how is this finance? Is because uh, again, you can't you can't really put um, food on your medical card, can you? Right. So our our um, services are free of charge to um, our patients who screen food insecure, um, regardless of insurance. And then we are funded by um, grants through Highmark and also um, the fundraising through the Festival of Trees. If you're familiar with the Festival sure. of Trees funding through there as well that's that's remarkable wow and and, and yeah in addition the sisters of saint joseph have pledged yes. their support really Absolutely. remarkable so this this location is uh, at the professional building and you're you're actually shopping with a dietitian how does that go kind of go through how that works yeah, so when people come in for the first time, we have an intake form uh, where I ask them questions about, um, you know, their household size, are they on any special diets, etc. We do give food for the whole household, not just the individual. Um, and when you, if you were to see the center, it really looks like a little grocery store. Yeah. I mean, we have our racks with our foods on it, um, where I have it all uh, separated by the different food groups. And I can go around with people and um, just, again, like I said earlier, help them pick out foods determined on their specific needs and uh, give them encouragement for, um, you know, what might improve their health outcomes. And we just walk around and, and they pick out their foods. Amazing. And, and again, um, so many of uh, the presenting issues 
the health issues, whether it's obesity or hypertension or uh, you know uh, lung issues, or it, they do go right back to food. I mean, this might be the food and exercise thing may be the the highest ways to bring uh, a, a more healthy community, right? Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, nutrition is so integral into health, and it's easy for us to say that. We all kind of know that, but um, it's it's interesting that it's now getting more attention to have a center like this uh, where we really try um, to um, address that. So it's great that High American AHN have kind of brought that to life to really bring that into uh, people's routine care. As a dietitian, are you seeing that this is becoming a, a tougher lift? I mean, it, uh, you know, across the board, as far as as far as people that are food insecure, are we, are there more of them? Are they having less access to, um, you know, uh, or are they living in more food deserts? I mean, are we are we moving the needle or uh, to the positive, or is it still like a really tough uh, job right now? Well, unfortunately, we'd be remiss if we didn't um, address COVID in this conversation. I mean, food insecurity isn't a new problem. Um, But as of 2019, we were actually starting to get to a low of food insecurity since it started to be um, tracked in the 90s. So but then the pandemic hit. And um, the people that were most affected by that were either people that were already food insecure or people that were like one paycheck away from becoming food insecure. And so I think, as um, Dr. Cuevas had mentioned earlier, we all saw those pictures of those lines and lines of cars at the food banks. So there was both a greater need from the pandemic as well as just a greater um, light shed, I think, on the food insecurity issues that were already there. Um, So there's a definite need still. Um, And even as of 2019, what what we talked about before, um, Erie had a higher level of food insecurity than the national average as well. So the need is definitely there. Well, that's kind of shocking. I want to bring in Dr. Cuevas. I apologize. They didn't put they didn't put your letters at the end of your name, uh, Liz. But uh, uh, I mean, there. in internal medicine, you do see the the direct correlation, right? Of especially somebody with hypertension, of or somebody Absolutely. with uh, with um, uh, obesity, and so on. Talk about that. I mean, I mean, it seems like this is this is high mark saying, "Hey, we're going to be part of this solution here." When it comes to stuff that's Absolutely. out, of, it's almost out of your lane, but it's not. It's, that's really interesting, and that is really the crux of it, because when we went to school to learn how to be physicians and providers and nurses, we focused so much on the disease and the pathology and the treatment plans, but they didn't really talk about things like, do they have food? What does a diet look like? What is um, What are healthy foods and not healthy foods? We kind of intuitively know that just you know in our own day-to-day living and what we do for ourselves. But we didn't really discuss the impact that food has on various medical diseases. Mm. And so bringing it now in this late stage to the healthcare system into a primary care office is a heavy lift. It's a lot we're asking providers to do. So not just screen people for their cancers and treat their medical diseases. We're asking them also now to screen them for food insecurity and housing insecurity and transportation issues and and so on and so forth. 
which we've never really learned how to do adequately. But I think with having the resource of the Healthy Food Center and the health system, having being taught what SDOH concerns we're really trying to focus on, having that community support platform does allow providers a little bit of um, a little bit of bandwidth to know what to do, a little bit of know-how and tools in their toolkit so that they can do this and do it comfortably and um, and feel supported in how they do it. Chelsea, the, the biggest thing I hear about eating right is that, well, the, all the junk food is cheaper, and so it's expensive to heat, eat healthy. So again, this, this healthy food center is, 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 is a, a great step towards uh, trying to make it more affordable. What are, what are other solutions that could be uh, that a community could do to kind of come on side of AHN to say, hey, this is, this is serious stuff. We got we to gotta get on the same, same page here with, with healthy choices. Yeah, absolutely. You're so right about that. And when people come into the Healthy Food Center, we do um, give information about shopping healthy on a budget to make that more accessible um, to our patients. As far as the community goes, I mean, there are great um, community partners already in Erie that are working uh, to help with food security, which is fantastic. And um there's continuing the efforts. I mean, they're working on bringing a grocery store into, you know, the downtown area because we don't we don't have a grocery store downtown. There's nothing. It's a food desert. And so just really supporting efforts like that um, would be a fantastic thing for the community to do and to get the word out about the Healthy Food Center and um, just continuing to support those efforts. Um, there's just some great things that that are to come in Erie still. Amanda, I want you to talk about again. Uh, you you have kind of that uh, network wide uh, uh, view of all of the social determinants of health. Are there any uh, communities that Erie could look to as kind of benchmarking of saying, "Hey, these guys are kind of doing it well," or you know, or maybe we're maybe we're ahead of the game. Talk about that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad you asked that, Joel, because as Chelsea was talking, I was shaking my head, nodding yes, um, because I think Erie does have a lot of folks, a lot of really great organizations at the table looking at food insecurity and thinking about food and nutrition in your environment. And I've, I've had the privilege of getting to listen in to some of those conversations. I know Chelsea is a part of some policy conversations around food insecurity um, across Erie County. And I think it gets to really understanding, and I think this is something as an enterprise Highmark Health has embraced, is understanding that true solutions to social determinants of health are structural. So, you know, we focus on the patient. We want to make sure they have a good experience. We focus on our providers. We want to give them the tools to have a good experience to help the patient. We want to make sure those health outcomes are positive for individuals. But we also realize that there is a structural investment to really overcoming some of these social challenges. And I think a community like Erie is, you know, really well on its way to have identified, hey, we have this food desert in an area where we have a high density of people living. Yeah. We need to be able to provide them 
sources for them to get that nutritious food. And if that means we need to, as a community, come together, county agencies, nonprofits, different businesses in the communities, people from the health sector like Chelsea and others who work at St. Vincent, coming to the table and, and being there to say, how do we make this happen? What does that look like as a community? That's where the magic happens, right? Mm -hmm. Like that's where you can really move a community from accessing, you know, community supports here and, you know, going to these festivals there. That's where you move them from those individual things to really thinking about a, a community change at a grassroots level that can have a lasting impact for generations to come. So um, kudos to Erie. I think there's a lot of exciting things happening in the food insecurity realm there. Uh, Ch Chelsea, follow up with what Amanda just said there, because uh, if you're talking about policy issues, I, I mean, uh, my the, the dots connect for me of okay, if you're if you're in OCY and you have a caseload, I mean, certainly food insecurity needs to be uh, it, it needs to be something that you're looking at in in the foster care system, in the in the food pantries, it, in in the faith communities. I mean, you start clicking off. The places where people gather or are connected or are members of a community, uh, certainly this could be a part of all those conversations. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, food insecurity really doesn't have a face. And so um, it could be, you know, an older person that had to take on their grandkids because of the opioid epidemic or a single mom working two jobs just trying to make ends meet. I mean, it could be any one of us at any given time and our neighbors. So it really is important for um, it to be addressed, like you said, across all systems as much as possible. And there really are some great efforts in Erie already, as Amanda had um, mentioned. The nice thing about Erie is that um, it kind of has a small town feel a little bit even though you know we kind of have a lot of people here um relatively speaking it's got a small town feel a great community effort saint vincent is a you know very uh family oriented kind of place and so we all want to help our neighbors and um so there really are a bunch of efforts in erie already to address food and food insecurity and uh we're just kind of putting our footprint on there as well and just supporting what's already here and and where we go in the future. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, let's look uh, ahead 12 to 36 months. Um, what what kind of outcomes would you want to see? Uh, again, if you're in these policy conversations, uh, uh, are you able to have your voice heard? I hope so. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. Uh, we're involved in the Food Policy um, Advisory Council and, and we go to those meetings and, and give updates on whatever is happening and hear updates on what's happening in Erie. And um, so it's good to know what's going on around Erie. And um, as far as our footprint, you know, we're tracking um, people's health through, you know, we have a scale here so we can check people's weights. Mm -hmm. And uh, when people are in our medical system, we can check their um, A1C for their diabetes or their blood pressure or cholesterol, whatever labs they may have, that we can track those outcomes and really see what kind of impact um, is being made by the Healthy Food Center and um, improving people's food insecurity. Uh, I'm going to give the last question to Dr. Liz here, and and uh, you know we we've been we've been reflecting a lot on the pandemic, and you think about all of the media and all the attention. I mean, we're right down to knowing every case of of you know of every swab, 
whether they're positive or negative, we know everybody that that is admitted into the hospital, everybody that's that is not have COVID. And it just makes me wonder if we could start talking about at this granular data level, you know, some of these issues of social determinants of health of saying, hey, we know that um, that uh, 20 percent more people have better reliable transportation or that our collective community A1C is down uh, 5%. I mean, I know that's kind of wacky uh, on a data point, but couldn't we get there, Dr. Liz? Oh, absolutely. And it's not like it's not. And that's what one of the things that we did um, within Highmark Health and AHN is implement the social determinants of health screen. And so we asked, um, we are covering several different domains of social determinants um, across the board, really trying to get every time somebody interacts with our health system, trying to understand what their social needs are. And then we can break that data down by zip code, just like you suggested. Um, so we can break that down by community level and we can say, you know what, this community needs a healthy food center, but this one right next door doesn't. They need a transportation program. And this one over here doesn't. They need a housing program. Wow. So then we can create interventions. So we can say this community lacks these access points. Let's make that work for us. And, um, and in this community, they, need, they have separate needs. Let's make that work for them. Um, and so we can break down that data a little bit more and really design interventions that are going to improve health. And I think that's like, that's the dream. And I think we're so close to making that happen. Um, we are so, so close to getting all that data so we can create those interventions and really make an impact on patients' health. To me, that's the true definition of a smart city is, is, is this kind of connection with, um, you know, with with our own health. And again, I, I, I use the global term of health. I feel like uh, physical, mental, behavioral, emotional, spiritual health, that all of that together, it makes a better community, makes a smarter community. Mm-hmm. So I want to thank you, Dr. Elizabeth Cuevas, Amanda Mahalko, and Chelsea Tordella. Thank you guys so much from AHN. Hi, Mark. Uh, we really appreciate you taking the time with us. Thank you so much. Thanks for You've been listening to The Joel Natale Show, Erie, Pennsylvania's daily podcast from TalkErie.com. Subscribe to our show on your favorite podcatcher and get involved by emailing joel at TalkErie.com.